So we're going to carry on this week um, to look at how the supernatural works out in the second part. So we're designed to live in partnership with the supernatural God. Uh, we're talking about the gifts, but we are looking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that empowering, that sense of his presence, that joy that, that bubbles up uh, like, like springs of living water, uh, what God has provided for us and promised to us. It's God's plan. It's God's provision that we carry on the supernatural ministry of Jesus on the earth. So this week we're going to look at faith first. Uh, so let's just remind ourselves some quickly some stories from the Bible. Um, do you remember the story in Matthew 8 uh, of the centurion that came to Jesus and was very concerned about his servant who was paralyzed and in great suffering? And Jesus said, okay, I'll come. He said, I'll come to your, your place. And uh, he said, no, no, you, you don't need to come. You just speak the word. And Jesus did. And the servant was healed. That's faith. Faith in operation. The recognition that God's word, faith comes by the word. And Jesus said, do you know what? I haven't seen faith like that uh, too much. That readiness just to receive the word and act on it. But let's look at a different occasion. Do you remember Thomas, sometimes called Doubting Thomas, one of the uh, disciples? After Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to the disciples and Thomas wasn't there. I don't know if he'd dropped, gone out for a pint of milk or something, but he wasn't there. He missed it. I know he's always called Doubting Thomas, but there was something real about him. He recognized that he couldn't believe just because of the excitement and wonder of others. He had to have that experience himself. And so he was honest. He said, I, I just know me. I can't, I can't just believe because you guys say so, but I can see you're excited. Because he was honest, Jesus came to him and revealed himself to him. See, God doesn't want us to try for something, but to be honest. And when, we, when we're struggling to actually say, Lord, we can't, we can't do this, but we, we, need, we need your word, we need your help. In personal things, I was talking the other day of when we, when we bought this house. You know, we were at that time away in the States. We were there for three months. And Dawn and I agreed that uh, we didn't have the money, but that when it came to signing contracts, if we didn't have the money then, we would have to pull out. Well, of course, they had to be sent to us in the States and we, we got the contracts. And on that day, we both sensed, we still didn't have the money, but we both sensed that we should do something that we said beforehand we wouldn't do. But this is because we felt that God was telling us to do something. And so we signed the contract and of course, uh, God provided the money and uh, we're still living here. I think on property, there was another time 
when the opportunity came up to buy Lifeline House and nobody was much into that at this stage, but I just knew that was what God wanted. And I was, uh, I suppose, therefore, in a place of faith to do that. And that's proved to be uh, a tremendous uh, tool in our hands. But let's hear from Abigail, her story. Um, yeah, so I was ill quite some time ago and I was on medication for about 11 years and um, I was quite um, dependent on this medication. If I didn't take it, I couldn't sleep and it helped me with some pain. But um, I really wanted to come off this medication and I spoke to the doctor and he said, oh, you, you have to really come off of it very slowly. But I just really felt strongly that God was telling me to just like not take it anymore. And um, that was quite a big thing. But I really, I just felt so strongly that that was what I needed to do. Um, so I went and spoke to Nathan and Judy about it. And I remember them <laughs> being quite shocked and a bit concerned for me. But I think they could see that I felt like this was really the right thing to do. So they kind of prayed with me. And um, that's what I did. And I didn't really sleep for about a week, I think. But I remember I felt so, uh, it was a very strange time, but I felt really, I felt so good. Like um, I didn't, I wasn't suffering any of the side effects of coming off the medication. And it, re it really just showed me that I could trust God and that he really cared about me in that um, circumstance. So yeah, it's something I can look back on and I'm really thankful for. Thank you, Abigail. That was a, an amazing thing. She heard God and went ahead and, and did it and found a place of, of, of great joy and a, a whole new experience in seeing what God could do in that exceptional situation. So what is faith? All right, Hebrews 11 says it's uh, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not at the present time see. And we've described it. We've used various ways of describing it. One of the, one of the good things, and I'm just going to run through it again. There's a fire in a field. Our five senses help us to perceive what is real. Imagine you're in a big open field. At the other end of the field is a fire. You can't feel the heat. You can't smell the smoke. You can't taste the fumes or hear the crackle. But because you see it, it's real. Even though four senses are numb. Four senses don't pick it up. Faith is our sixth sense. It enables us to perceive what God is saying and to believe it's real, even if all our natural senses are numb to the reality. The other five might not pick it up. Faith is our sixth sense. Now, we've also talked about uh, faith is believing that a chair is a good chair and you could sit on it and it would support your weight, but faith is when we actually commit to it and sit on it. So where does faith come from? Well, faith only comes from hearing God. The power to follow any command from God is kind of wrapped up 
within that command, within that word. Remember, God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, the word of God is alive and active and carries with it the power to make it happen. What does it feel like? Well, it's a conviction that overrides emotion and reason. It goes above and beyond that. It's, it's a supernatural. It's above and beyond the natural. Now, there can be a process of submitting to it. Even Jesus, if you remember, the Garden of Gethsemane was saying, Lord, uh, take this cup away, but if it's your will. And of course, it doesn't mean that faith kind of slips into our preferences. We have to be prepared to submit. And it's personal. Even like Thomas that we were speaking about just now, you can't piggyback on somebody else's faith. That's the reality. That's the experience you have to have for yourself. Nobody else can give it to you. There are no priests between us and God, only Jesus. And faith comes by hearing his word. So we have some uh, questions because this is what we decided it would be a good way to do. And I've appreciated you sending in the questions. Keep it up. And uh, also the fact that uh, a number have said they find this to be helpful. Now, slight calendar problem. Uh, these first questions are from Jeremy, but he's away on holiday. So Jamie stepped in to ask them on his behalf. Thank you, Jamie. What is the role of faith in healing, both in the praying for healing and the receiving of healing? Scripture suggests faith is a part of both aspects of the process, i.e. your faith has made you well and the prayer of the faith Prayer of faith heals the sick, yet we can't fall into the condemning trap of, if only I had more faith. So how do we navigate this tension? It's a good question. It comes up from time to time. Look, the fact is we can't produce faith. As we've just said, there's only one way that faith comes, and that's by hearing God. So all we can do is to believe and act on his word. We can't manufacture his word. When we hear his word, we have the choice to actually act on it. Second question, what does it mean to contend in faith for healing? For example, it's not about louder prayers or more meetings or more words. What do we mean by that then? No, it's definitely not. There's, there's not a biblical basis for contending in faith for healing. In Jude chapter 1, talks about contending for the faith, but that's talking about contending for the gospel, contending for faith. Contending is fighting for the truth of the gospel. Uh, so that, that's it's probably a Christianese. Uh, there's no biblical basis to contend for faith. Question number three, how do we grow in faith? Well, let's remind ourselves that uh, faith is a gift of God. Uh, so we can stir up the gift uh, that's within, because we've heard God, God has spoken. Uh, for example, I might have the ability to swim, but I don't use the ability if I don't get into the pool. So we can stir up the gift, but stirring is different to growing. You can't grow the gift. If faith comes from hearing, what makes you 
better, hear better. Well, being with, listening, and doing it. So the stirring up and the hearing are the two things. Let me just, just share a scripture with you. James 1, 22. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he look, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, that takes in, takes seriously, receives God's word. Not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. What is the relationship between wrong theology and healing? I.e., are there hidden wrong views of God that affect our expectation of him moving? Things like he moves in mysterious ways. Healing is unpredictable. It might not be his will to heal because he has a deeper purpose. Don't mind me. Others have more need of God's attention. If I get my house in order... God might heal me. But when you think about the people on the mountaintop listening to Jesus, they didn't have these complications. It was beautifully simple. He healed all who came to him. Yes, some of these things are a kind of noise disrupting us from hearing God's word. You see, sometimes we can be sure that God has spoken because there comes all sorts of doubts and questionings. And some of the things that you've mentioned are typical. So we have to recognize that the enemy is always going to want to undermine an attack. These, these things are kind of part of it. Noise that disrupts us from hearing God. So what is he doing? Let's just make sure we're, we're free to get behind it. Don't have to have a theology or interpretation. We hear it, we receive it, and do it. Thank you, Gene. Let's think now then move on and look at the subject of miracles. Well, there's many that we can share from the, from the Bible. What about when uh, uh, Joshua was fighting the Amorites? Uh, this is in Joshua 10, 13. And uh, he asked for the sun to be stopped in the sky. I mean, that's an amazing thing, uh, so that he could uh, continue with the battle. Or when Isaiah in 2 Kings 20 was... Uh, dealing with Hezekiah. Uh, and Hezekiah wanted a sign of, that God would, uh, would heal him and help. And that was the time when he asked for the shadow uh, on, the, on the sundial to move forward. In other words, the sun to move forward or to move back. Amazing miracle. Well, let's jump into the New Testament when the disciples were talking about tax and money and he said go, go and get a fish and have a fisherman and in the fish's mouth was a gold coin and i think if i could be sure of that i'd be quite keen on fishing but well, let's have an up-to-date well not so much a right up-to-date but a living story let's hear from marty so um quite a number of years ago <clears throat> lifeline had a base in mozambique and uh, i'd been a christian for about six months uh, and found myself um, serving and running the base out there. Um, and this was during the time um, of a civil war in Mozambique that had 25 years of fighting. There was no hotels, there was no shops. The closest shops um, where we could buy most of our stuff was a seven hour car journey. 
Um, so it just gives you some idea of things like uh, we really appreciated having food um, and accommodation and things like that. The base uh, in, in Mozambique was quite a large base and uh, we would often have people turn up uh, from sort of ministry teams that were traveling up from South Africa or from Zimbabwe and they would come down and they would um, they would come and stay and they would do uh, you know they would bring aid with them and things like that and uh, there was four of us at the base there was a, there was a couple and there was uh, a, a woman there who she was a nurse at the local hospital and one of my jobs were was to um, be the cook so I, I used to cook dinner every night for everybody uh, and uh, make sure I'd go, go and do the shopping every couple of months and, and things like that. And um, I remember quite clearly this evening, um, it was uh, during the wet season, so it was quite rainy outside. And I had cooked a small chicken. Um, and when I say small chickens, the, the chickens aren't much bigger than sparrows in, uh, in Africa a lot of the time. So there was not a lot of meat on them. Um, I'd got some uh, potatoes from the market. Uh, and, and some other veg and I'd cooked it for four, for four of us because that's who we were in the house. Um, and just as we sat down for dinner, um, a minibus arrived. Um, they'd driven all the way from South Africa, which was a long, long journey and quite dangerous because of all the fighting that was there. And they, uh, they were hoping to stay somewhere and they were the, our place was the only place they knew of. So we said, yeah, sure, come in. And there was, there was nine of them in the minibus. So they came in and I said, well, look, we don't have much food, but let's just give thanks and asked God to bless the food and um, we started serving. And so we all sat down and we ate and everybody ate as much as they wanted. And then about half an hour later, a car turned up with four more people and saying, um, we're also sorry, we didn't tell you, but we'd like to stay. So they said, yeah, come on in. And I said, we don't have much food. Um, let's just pray. And we all gave thanks for the food again and carried on serving. And then it wasn't really until afterwards that I realized that the small meal that I prepared for four had actually served 14 or 15 of us. And there was enough left over for our night guards. And I just, I just said to the guys, do you realize we've just seen God produce uh, extra food when we needed it just, just to serve everyone. And it was just one of those little things. And I, I went on to see lots and lots of miracles like that, but there was just one little story of where God just did something with the chicken and potatoes to make them go around 15 people when they shouldn't really have even served four. Thank you, Martin. Let's uh, have a little up-to-date one then. Um, amazing stories uh, that Martin's got there from Mozambique. But James Satui felt to uh, bake some bread for a neighbour uh, just uh, just recently and uh, took it there. And at that point in time, the neighbour said, oh, how did you know I didn't have any bread and I needed some bread? Yeah, it's not quite as spectacular as what Martin was saying, but it's still God enabling us to do things which are above the natural and above the normal. But if you really want to see a miracle, a proof of a miracle, have a look in the mirror you know there's never ever going to be a greater miracle than the fact that you are born again by the spirit of god that god has taken you set his love upon you and lifted you into a new place of relationship with him that's the greatest miracle we'll ever see and that's why recently we took some time to celebrate the reality of this great miracle how would you define a miracle well it's naturally inexplicable can only be God. Rushing on, because our time is going, um, I wanted also this week to cover Word of Wisdom. And uh, that may be, I know that there are others that are prepared to 
share some other questions, but it may be that we run out of time after this one, so uh, we'll have to uh, carry the others over. So sorry about that, those that are ready to, to share, but our time has gone. Word of wisdom, let me just finish off on that then. Um, I remember times uh, when Avril has been representing us in some meeting with other trustees or experts or um, in some council setting. And to be honest, and her being honest, she didn't really understand what was, what was going on. And then God would just drop something into her mind for her to say. And everybody would turn around and say, well, yes, that, that's the answer. See, God will give us words of wisdom in every setting. It's not just something that happens uh, in some Christian gathering, but in every setting, because God wants us to move in a supernatural way by his power. There's a number of stories we could look at in the Bible. I mean, an example of wisdom, of course, was when Solomon faced the fact that uh, two women um, had babies and uh, one had the baby that died and then she tried to do a switch and uh, there was a big dispute as to which of the living, which mother truly um, had the baby that was still alive and Solomon had this amazing thing that you wouldn't naturally think of as well cut it in half so they can have half each and of course the true mother in her compassion uh, said no 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 uh, I, I let the other woman have it in which he then discovered that the true mother was the one that was pre prepared to lose the baby rather than have it cut in half in um, Isaiah dealing with uh, Hezekiah mentioned something on that before but he has a word of wisdom, I think. Certainly wisdom to prepare a poultice of figs. Now, it wasn't quite in the same miracle area of uh, having uh, the sun stand still or the days lengthened or whatever. But it was still uh, a wisdom to know what to do. You see, he knew the facts. He knew the problem that Hezekiah had. He knew that there were figs. But it was the intervention, the word of wisdom, the wisdom there. On a completely different thing, uh, we were remembering that there was an occasion um, when in LCP we were, some years ago, we were debating and, and not sure what to do. And one of the team said, well, hang on a minute, let's remember what John was sharing on Sunday and brought that into that which was the answer to what we needed to do in that situation so word of wisdom see word of knowledge is when we don't know the facts and new facts are revealed we covered that word of wisdom is when we do know the facts but are not sure what to do with them and god speaks into that see word of wisdom is different to wisdom wisdom can grow proverbs 13 verse 20 says if you walk with the wise you become wise luke 2 52 jesus grew in wisdom see the word of wisdom is a gift for a specific situation. 